0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of The Two Popes. What is that plant? It's oregano. Your gardener gave it to me. You're very popular. I just try to be myself. Whenever I try to be myself, people don't seem to like me very much.
1: Confidential church
0: documents were allegedly leaked to the press. Alleging corruption. And misconduct among the clergy. I hope this business is not too distressing. Does a shepherd run away
2: when the wolves appear? We are moving in directions I can no longer condone. I've struggled to do what must be done, but I've lost.
0: Hopes can't resign. If you do this, you will damage the papacy forever. I can no longer sit on the chair of St. Peter. You're You're mistaken. You are...
2: I cannot play this role anymore. are saying God always
0: corrects one pope by presenting the world with another pope. I should quite like to see my correction. Reform
2: needs a politician. The most important qualification for any leader is not wanting
0: to be leader. It's not me who needs to be satisfied, it's 1.2 billion believers. You're the right person. Church needs to change and you could be that change. It could never be me. The grand doors have slammed shut and will remain so till the next pope has been chosen. From that balcony up there. Nothing is static in nature, not even God. Where should we find him if he's always moving?
2: On the journey?
0: Oh, perhaps we'll find God over there on the journey. I'll introduce you to him. Contact! In you must remember that you are not God, you are only human. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for The Two Popes, and the story is as follows. Cardinal Begoglio, the future Pope Francis, meets with Pope Benedict in 2012 to request retirement. Instead, what follows is the Pope facing down his harshest critic in a series of meetings to determine the fate of the Catholic Church. The film is starring Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins. It is directed by Fernando Morales, written by Anthony McCartan. Joining me for this podcast review are the two co-hopes, we'll call them for this one. <laughs> no? That was bad? Yeah. All right. Well, most of my puns are bad. But I have first up Dan Baer.
2: And Cheryl and Isaac speak the two poops.
0: <laughs> okay. That was that one was pretty good. And Josh Parham. hello. Hello. All right, so The Two Popes, a film that premiered at the Telluride Film Festival, um, has been, you know, it's taken a little while to come out for more people to see it out in the world. But it's finally here uh, with its December theatrical release. It will be on Netflix in a few days as well. So we figured we would all get together, talk as, you know, we do here on the podcast about a movie. Just as these two men would probably have a very entertaining podcast together, I'm sure, if they were to ever get together and talk about I don't know, movies, life, religion, the turning of the earth, whatever. Aaron Taylor Johnson. (laughs) Why not? You know, ABBA, you know, the band, (laughs) pizza. Fanta. I have to say, uh, you know, for a movie that on the surface felt like it was going to just be two very, very respected and very incredibly gifted actors just ultimately doing what would I, I Like I said, I I thought it was going to just be like a one-act play, almost. Um, I thought it would be very stagey, and I wasn't exactly sure what the surrounding story would be. To say that the two popes surprised me would be an understatement. I was very genuinely surprised by the humor of this movie and the storytelling structure of this film by uh, Anthony McCartan. So much so that it actually ended up being uh, one of the more enjoyable uh, movies that I've seen this year, um, just in the way that the story kind of unfolds and the actors really, really helped to deliver it. I do have some issues with it. I'm not really totally high in praise, as many of my uh, colleagues and friends are, but we'll get into why here in a little bit. What about you, Josh Parm? What did you ultimately think of The Two Popes?
1: Yeah, well, I would actually first say that walking into it, I was maybe slightly guarded because I'm not the biggest fan of uh, McCartan's screenplays, to be honest with you. I haven't really enjoyed many of the films that he's worked on, so I was a little hesitant to embrace this one. But walking out of it, I have to say that it's it's good. I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's like a great achievement or anything, but I think that it does have a screenplay that's pretty engaging in this drama that it's creating between these two characters in the center. And I think that's where the movie really succeeds is when you stay with those two characters. And when you've got Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins giving these very intriguing performances that really keeps you invested in the plight of these two people, I found all of that to be interesting I think the movie does run into some pacing issues along the way, particularly when we do some flashbacks. Wasn't the biggest fan of that, but overall I enjoyed the movie a lot more than I thought I would for sure.
0: Yeah. I'll get into the uh, flashbacks myself in just a little bit. That was one element that definitely surprised me, but yeah, I'll get into
2: that. I'll get into that. Dan, (laughs) what about you? Um, Well, you know, I feel the same way as you guys do. It's, this is probably the most surprising movie I've seen this year. It was not at all what I was expecting. And it's one that I was very much looking forward to. I mean, you put two acting titans like Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins acting in the same movie where they're pretty much the only characters. And I'm going to be there, you know, camping out for a week before opening night in order to see it. Um, but I was not expecting it to be as funny as it was, right? Yeah. and it mm-hmm. like it opens with a joke,
0: yeah, right before the uh, title it credits opens come with up. Like mm-hmm. a
2: really good joke too, actually. absolutely. <laughs> it, and like, and that's the tone it sets for itself. And like that i the last thing that I expected from a movie called The Two Popes, honestly. Um, and then just, like, ha- everything about it, almost everything, al- almost everything about it. After that, I was just like, this is delightful. Yeah. But in being delightful, it still doesn't sacrifice any depth. Um, There, there is a lot that's going on in this movie, I think, a lot to talk about, a lot to think about, a lot to marinate on, and not just about faith, um, which is what you would think would be the main topic of conversation between two popes. Um, There's a lot going on here, and I was really impressed.
0: I agree with that, Dan, is that I, I could imagine that there are people who are skeptical about wanting to dip their toes into the two popes because of the religious aspect. And, oh, like, do I have to be Catholic to like fully like understand it and get it and such? Like you said, faith is definitely a part of the conversation. Um, the fate of the uh, Catholic Church is also a part of the conversation, sure, but it's a part. It's not the full movie. And I think what I think what aids in a lot to my enjoyment of this film and the humor and uh, what really just elevates the film overall is how the movie just breaks down the barrier of who you expect these two men to be and it just presents them as two old men two <laughs> who, dudes man yeah who happen to be in elevated powers uh, uh, positions of power within the Roman Catholic Church but They got the Fitbit watches that are tracking their steps and, you know, their (laughs) knees are hurting them and everything else, you know. And there is a bit of like a universal relatability uh, there and just breaking down and showing that these guys are human. They're not holier than Val.
2: (laughs) And it's honestly a lot of fun to watch them.
0: Yeah. I mean, you get this uh, conflict, obviously, in the sense that uh, Pope Francis, that's, I'm going to call him Pope Francis throughout the rest of this interview, it's just easier that way for me, um, played by Jonathan Price. he's lighter, he's funnier, he's more personable, he really gets along with everyone from all walks of life, and Pope Benedict is a little bit more stuffy and by the book, and, you know, definitely has uh, this... <laughs> I'll say it again, holier-than-vow-like presence about him uh, where he doesn't even understand. He doesn't understand how um, Pope Francis is able to connect with people and why he can't seem to do so. There is an interesting contrast there between the two that I think presents some very great conflict that bleeds into a lot of the themes that we were uh, just touching upon there for a moment. And it really, really um, is... A trope that's, you know, it's an old trope. Uh, we've seen it before in other movies. But the way that the actors themselves are able to inhabit those characters and those quality traits about them uh, really, really does make this a very entertaining movie.
1: Yeah, there's a really interesting dynamic between the two of them, which I I love. I love uh, stories that take a look at a very intimate uh, set of characters and really just dissects the differences between them and finds that drama Although one thing I would say is I was actually surprisingly more interested in Benedict in this film. And I don't know if you guys agree, but I really found his kind of struggle with something more traditional, but going up against wanting to evolve with the church. And I found all of that to be really quite fascinating. And not to say that Uh, Pope Francis doesn't have his own um, kind of conflicted journey throughout the film, but I really found that the nuance that they gave Benedict, which is a figure that really hasn't been the subject of a lot of nuance in the news, I found that to be the most surprising element to the film and the thing that actually was the most welcomed for me.
0: There is conflict that is presented within his character, an internal uh, conflict that I do find fascinating. You're right about that, Josh. This is something that I personally wish that the film had done. And it almost doesn't make sense to me that it's not there. Um, for such a two-hander uh, movie, Pope Francis gets these flashback sequences. And they really, really do help to flesh out his journey, his uh, character arc, if you will. And Benedict definitely has an arc in here. I can't help but feel like there might have been some backstory that the film, whether it was in the scripting stage or maybe they shot it and it got cut, I don't know. But I can't help but feel like there was supposed to be a larger arc for ben, for Benedict and it's completely missing here because he is a more controversial figure.
2: Oh, you mean the whole Nazi thing? <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> I If I have well, – well, okay. That's a lie because I have more than one problem. Like, the, like, would you agree that the film
0: does go out of its way to paint him as a much more likable figure?
2: I don't know that I necessarily say that, but I do think it lets him off the hook rather easily.
0: But that's what that's what I mean. Ultimately, yes, that's yeah. that's a good way to put it. I agree.
2: Yeah, that that's what I would say. Um, I, you know, it's sort of like it's there,
0: but they're not holding his feet to the
2: fire. Makes big to like oh, the Nazi, and Mm -hmm. then that's kind of all it has to say about that, is just sort of pointing out the fact that, but it doesn't go into the history of that. It doesn't interrogate any of the decisions that he made.
0: But ultimately we get this whole expanded sequence of Pope Francis and during the the, uh, the Dirty Wars in Argentina – and the mistakes that he made along the way and for the reasons that he thought was right and so on and so forth. I don't want to reveal too too much, but I, I I thought that was great, but there was an opportunity there with Benedict. And I just don't know why the film doesn't take it.
2: Well, and the thing that pisses me off is that it really walks right up to the line and has the semi-spoiler alert, has Benedict, you know, make this moment of confession to Francis and mutes him like takes the sound out of their dialogue Mm. and that was when I was like oh come on (laughs) and like and I get that and I was with it for up until that moment because you know this is clearly pope francis's story more so than benedict sure he's the one who's you know really wrestling with i do not want this position whereas benedict like very clearly wanted to be pope and francis's whole thing is that he doesn't want to be pope he sees so much um, that he doesn't like in holding that position so many things to be concerned about and part of it is this thing in his past that he feels that he is not worthy of holding this office so and i and it's quite possible that benedict has already worked through all that and you know he's fine because he's pope right right so i was up i was like okay so maybe this is it that's just not important to the story but then they had that moment and i was like really you're gonna let him off the hook like that
0: It's still as if, like, there was a more interesting and complex movie that could have been presented with better character work, and they tossed it aside in favor of making a crowd pleaser.
2: Which is, like, not to say that there's not really interesting character stuff. No, 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 not at all. I just feel that the
0: movie could have been enriched a little bit more had that been there. I do admit that it is touched upon, and it is mentioned, but... It, it, it just feels very pale in comparison, especially when you consider, like I said before, this is ultimately a two-hander between the two, uh, but clearly there is a push to have Pope Francis really take the charge in this and have um, Pope Benedict Anthony Hopkins be more of a supporting player to uh, Jonathan Price's storyline.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would also say to the movie's credit that, yes, it doesn't dive as deep into Benedict's past as it could, and I certainly would say that that is a detriment to the storytelling, but there are moments where Francis does push back against um, against Benedict, and even in that scene of the confession, you do get him kind of challenging him about his inaction on a lot of things. Like, Does it go as far as it probably should? No, I will grant you that, but I do think the film does realize that it needs to address some of those issues, and I really did find myself finding that those performances really did a lot to endear me to a lot of the topics that they were discussing and yes yeah even though they didn't go quite as deep as I wanted them to I found that there was so much like soulfulness in their performances that that just really happened to work on me
2: I, I agree that the performances are really tremendous in this I mean <laughs> watching Anthony Hopkins react. To every little thing that Jonathan Pryce says and does is (laughs) fascinating. And there is so much incredible character work going on. Like, I mean, and not that there wouldn't be like, you know, with these two actors.
0: I think actually my favorite uh, moment of that from Hopkins is, and I don't want to give too much away here. But there is a moment where he is uh, resenting wanting to do something uh, with Pope Francis, something physical. Uh, and they, they do it and it's lovely and very sweet and he kind of lets himself like ease into it and he enjoys himself for a bit and then he's just like alright get out of here <laughs> like, but he, like oh, I'll let myself have fun for a brief second but seriously you need to leave and even though he's like shooing him away like go go you like leave me that's a wonderful thought, when the two leave each other um, and there are a couple of scenes in the movie where they're together they're talking yeah, they bump, they bump heads a little bit. But when they are apart, you can't help but sense that Benedict is just drawn to this guy. And it's, it's like he's confronting his own um, self-imposed loneliness that he's put in for himself. And he wants to continue to reconnect with this guy, even though he fundamentally disagrees with him on so many topics. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, the, I mean, it's sort of, there's that sense between them that, like, they're the only two people that can fully understand each other.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And that, that like, you hear a lot about, like, you know, they talk about the president's club of, you know, like all the United States presidents, and it's true, like, they may have completely different ideologies, but they're the only people that have had the experience of holding this one particular office. And uh, th- there's a lot that that's going on there with that.
1: Yeah. And both of them are really coming at this perspective of balancing the idea of where do your personal convictions lie against the prosperity of the Catholic church. And, you know, I get it. That's not something that a lot of people want to talk about. I I certainly uh, (laughs) understand that, but I still think for those two characters, it is an interesting thing that they bring up that, you know, they may have their own personal, um, Uh, convictions as to what they want to do with their lives, but they have to balance that with how does the church evolve and survive, even if that means with or without them. And I give a lot of credit to McCartan screenplay for really diving into that subject and doing it in a way that did not feel quite as heavy handed as I expected it to, especially given his previous screenplays. It's, it's actually, I would say this is by far his best screenplay.
0: I would concur
1: yeah, I'd probably agree with that too. And
0: I'm high on Darkest Hours screenplay as well. And I
1: love the theory of everything
0: <laughs> and I'm
1: not I'm not as high on those movies as you guys are.
0: That's fair. but i would I would still concur that I do think that this is his uh, strongest work yet as a writer for sure. Oh, yeah. um. See Terms and Conditions, 18 plus.
1: Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Where the film loses me. Uh, you know, I I, I I will say that the whole thing about Anthony Hopkins and uh, that whole, you know, lack of story for his character, if you will, that's not something that loses me on the movie. I just see that more as a missed opportunity, but I don't hold it against the movie. This is something that drove me absolutely crazy while watching this film, and that is Fernando Morales' direction of it. Yep. I, I – I, and listen, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that – I have the voice of God and can pass full judgment on this because there are a lot of people that I respect who have called out his direction and said that it is fantastic and that is all well and good. I would personally argue that it is sporadic uh, and erratic <laughs> in that it almost feels like when I watch the film, the way it comes off to me is this thing is chopped to death sometimes in uh, editing. And there's a lot of handheld camera uh, movement going on. It almost seems like nothing was shot listed. And they pointed the camera and they shot the scenes from different angles of coverage. And they almost had like this mentality of, we'll figure it out in the editing booth later. That That's how it just like came off to me at certain times. Instead of these well thought out, well composed shots. And there are some decent shots in here if you like freeze frame it, sure. But then when it's all edited together in this very highly erratic manner that I don't think is benefiting the uh, story, it, it, it definitely just pulled me out of the movie on
2: more than a few occasions. The shaky cam, the, the excessively shaky cam for basic dialogue scenes drove me completely insane I was like, why are we on a boat all of a sudden (laughs) and just like rocking back and forth in the water like choppy seas today when we're clearly on the land in Italy? (laughs) And there were some moments where like the editing, for
0: example, it's actually pretty interesting how it's utilized when they're voting in the chambers for a new pope and they've got the uh, pieces of paper and they're like cutting all of this together and the sound work and everything like that's all aesthetically very interesting uh to watch and it also helps us to really grasp uh the process of voting for a new pope i just don't understand like you said there dan why in some of these very tender very intimate dialogue scenes are those chopped up like there like there's a jump cut at one point when oh, they're in God. the piano room terrible i don't under, like i was like wh- what why and that's what that's what triggered in my mind This thing just must have been missing some coverage or something, and they just had to find a way to stitch this together.
2: I I don't know. It it just completely pulled me out of the movie. Yeah, I don't – I mean I I just don't know what Morales – it feels like he didn't trust the actors and screenplay enough to let them stand on their own. That's what it felt like. He felt like he had to jazz it up somehow, and he really didn't need to. Yeah, it's like he tries
1: to go for this pseudo-documentary style at points, but it just is not working with the material that he's given. And yeah, the filmmaking behind this did drive me crazy. Like, oh, God, there's so many Zooms that – every time it happens like what what is going on why are we zooming onto a close-up of anthony hopkins face right now what why is this motivated at all
0: it's like fernando i know you shot a movie called city of god but this is a different type of religious film so different (laughs) but that like that hyperkinetic uh style is still here and i don't know like listen i what do i know i went to film school i'm not making films but You know, whatever. I'll just put this out there. If you're going to make a movie about two measured and slow-moving older men, you know, wouldn't be such a bad idea to have the camera be measured and slow-moving to match them? (laughs) You know? It's just like it was was interesting. I will say that um, I've seen the film twice now. And the first time I saw it, I was definitely... I was definitely perplexed by it. Um, I remember even thinking to myself, like, wow, everybody really loves this movie. And I'm just like, okay on it. Like, all right, you know, maybe everybody else saw something different. And so I watched it a second time and I was like, nope, I still have issues with this. <laughs> but then again, it's like, there are some things in it uh, that I still like i said gravitate towards i love that sequence of of voting for the popes and then also cut to um dancing queen at one point is amazing
2: <laughs> such
0: a brilliant a really decision yeah they're
2: really amazing
0: and then i also love the black and white photography of the flashbacks you know there's uh, there there are some things in here that i was definitely visually impressed by at times it just didn't feel like it was part of a whole. It just felt like a random collection of pieces that didn't have a clear sense of direction and what it ultimately wanted to be.
2: Yeah, I can feel that.
1: I also have to say, I really wasn't that big of a fan of the flashbacks. I found them, I understood their purpose because they're trying to give you a a more like kind of clearer picture of who Francis was before he rose in the papacy. But I just found every time we cut away from the two of them to get to those flashbacks, the movie just really, really crawled for me. I found the pacing to just really not be that interesting or engaging at that point. And like I said, I understood its purpose, but for me, it just really lost a lot of momentum when we weren't with that intimate drama between those two characters. And when the world opened up, that just was not quite as engaging to me. I felt that way the
0: first time I saw it. Josh, and then the second time I saw it, I was a lot more engaged with it. I don't know why. I can't tell you exactly, but I I found that on a repeat viewing, the flashbacks worked a lot better for me. And part of it too. I'm gonna tr- I'm, I'm gonna say his name here. Um, Juan Midwin uh, is an Argentinian actor who plays uh, young uh, Jorge uh, Bergoglio, and First of all, it's, it's pretty amazing. Dead on
2: casting.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how as the, the flashbacks progress, how much he starts to look like Jonathan Price. <laughs>
2: like, incredible. Really incredible. It's pretty
0: crazy. Um, but I have to say that I, I actually found him to be uh, quite a compelling presence during those flashbacks. And I think he is what helped uh, guide me through it, even though I agree with you, Josh, All I wanted every time we went back to a flashback scene was, all right, can we get back to Price and Hopkins? Because this is just like this is the fun part of the movie and the interesting part. And it feels like this is, while necessary, just heavy, dramatic, not as fun. I want to get back to the light fun, you know, like, like, let's go back to that. Yeah, that's what that's what it kind of feels like.
1: You're right. And you and you need it because with without it then you run into the problem of Francis just seeming like he is a saint. And that is the, the issue that this movie is trying to present, that he's not a saint. He's a regular person. He's a human being who has made m- mistakes in his life. And I get that that's the reason why it's there. I think it's just the way that it's presented where it just feels so... Like much like a hard cut between the present day or you know the present day for that movie with those two characters and then going back in time, it just never flowed that naturally to me, and I think that's where the pacing really presented a lot of problems for me,
0: yeah no, I can totally understand where you're coming from hundred percent yeah yeah
1: uh one other thing I do want to uh
0: point out about this film, I did not know that the Sistine Chapel was actually made from scratch for the purposes of this movie recreated and when I watched it a second time my jaw literally hit the floor when I like was able <laughs> to take all of that in and process it and realize oh my god that set is
2: pretty extraordinary <laughs> yeah it's a stunning recreation yeah I mean all the <laughs> all those paintings first of all like I <laughs> I can't imagine the amount of time and effort it took
1: No, to do this. And this is the mark of great production design where it's impressive work, certainly, but it's also even better if you don't realize it. Like that's supposed to be what most filmmaking is, is that you're not supposed to notice the trick. And the fact that they were able to make this really beautiful recreation and – I think for most people they won't notice that it's a recreation is even more impressive
0: and that's the thing right there's a lot of uh, tricks that this movie tries to pull uh whether it is you know in the clever way that the screenplay is structured the editing uh someone to work with the cinematography that we talked about before there's a lot of clever filmmaking tricks in this but that production design because it is hidden like you said josh that is probably the best one of all
1: oh yeah i think by far that is the the greatest technical achievement of this film
2: I, and if you didn't know that, you would, I, when I saw it, I would have thought that they actually somehow managed to shoot in the Vatican. I really would have.
0: Yeah. All righty. Final thoughts? Final thoughts. What do you got? Give me, uh, tell me your confession, uh, Dan Baer. What do you have? For final thoughts.
2: <laughs> well, I have to confess, even though I can't stand. The cinematography for a lot of this movie, I still really enjoyed it. And I found a lot to chew on with the the performances and the screenplay. And because of that, I stay on the positive side of this film. And I encourage anyone and everyone I know to see it. (laughs)
0: yeah um before i give my final grade i'm gonna echo that as well i definitely have issues with the movie it's not perfect it's not a masterpiece to me but it's definitely an enjoyable experience one that i too would recommend uh others to watch and pretty much i maybe everyone It, it might be an everyone recommendation movie i'm not sure
2: i'm a jew and i loved the all the talking about the point of the Christian church in the modern world and what direction should it take and all of these theological discussions. I loved it. Loved it.
0: Oh, you heard it here from Dan Baer, people. There you go. The non-Catholic opinion.
2: <laughs> Josh Parr,
1: what about yourself? Final thoughts? Uh, well, my final thought is actually a question that I want to pose, and uh, it's a very simple one. I just want to know for you, from you guys, who do you prefer— between Price and Hopkins in terms of their performances in this film. Ouch. Uh, oh, man. God. Okay, well, because it's very clear, at least for me. like, And I love Jonathan Price. I think he's a great actor. I've always enjoyed his work. But I do think that he has a character that, you know, is – supposed to be presented as a little bit more nuanced but doesn't really get a lot of that himself I find most of that nuance is given to the flashback and because of that I really really loved Anthony Hopkins in this film like that's one of the reasons why I got annoyed every time we got away from those group of characters in the center because Mm -hmm. I really loved the, the kind of subtlety that he was bringing to his performance and I get that Jonathan Price is doing that too, but I think Anthony Hopkins has given more of that with the text that he's given in those scenes and in those moments. And honestly I found myself being more attracted to his journey as a character as opposed to um to Francis and with Jonathan Price's performance. Yeah.
0: I think I would lean with you on that, Josh. Uh, there is also something here that I don't think is Jonathan Price's fault, but it is something that uh, once again pulled me out of the movie at times. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, when he has to uh, deliver his lines in anything other than English, um, it's his voice that is being heard. I swear to you, there are times where Jonathan Price is speaking, but Jonathan Price's voice is not coming out. And it is during uh, the moments where he has to speak a language other than English.
1: I think it's really mostly Spanish. The other times he's speaking other languages that sounds like him. But I do agree with you, Matt, that whenever Francis was speaking Spanish, it did not sound like Jonathan Price at all. And that did take me out the movie. It
0: it made me wonder if it was the actor, uh, Juan, as I was saying uh, before, who was maybe doing that part.
2: So I did not notice that at all. Mm. <laughs> I'll just okay. come right come out and say that.
0: I didn't notice it on the first viewing. I noticed it on the second viewing. So, yeah, so, so that
2: be, when I go back and rewatch it, and since I know everything and pay more attention to that, maybe I'll notice.
0: Trust me, it sounds like a younger man's voice is coming out of Jonathan Price's mouth. It is so weird.
2: Um, I'm not, and listen, that
0: that's just uh, something that I like. kind of just remembered. I almost forgot to mention that. Um, it doesn't impact his performance at all. But it does make me uh, lean a little bit more with Hopkins for the reasons that you said there, Josh. Um, and, and it's a tiny, tiny, small thing because I do think both of them are really good. I think that uh, Jonathan Price definitely is able to find uh, the internal conflict, especially when he's telling the flashback scenes and he's narrating them the way that he is. I, I do find uh, the brokenness in that character and the level of doubt and uncertainty to be actually quite fascinating. But there's something about... Anthony Hopkins endearing just old man shtick that I like absolutely love in this. <laughs> he drinks orange soda at dinner. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but there's something about uh, the way that Pope Benedict is depicted in this movie that, like I said before, I know that it's probably not wholly accurate. I know that there's probably stuff that's been omitted uh, that would have totally changed our outlook on that character. But Anthony Hopkins is able to find these very, very tiny details, moments, and really, really, really not overplay them, but just make them feel incredibly lived in and lifelike and I, I really really did respond to that
2: okay so then i'm gonna go to bat for jonathan price please i mean he's <laughs>
0: yeah no 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 i'm not saying he's bad josh is just asking this you know the hard question
2: like i not know not just saying he's bad but i do think i prefer him um and part of this could be is that like i <laughs> i prefer Pope Francis to Pope Benedict. Sure.
1: Yes. <laughs> one is definitely more yeah, likable than the other. <laughs> one of them
2: is not a Nazi, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but there is um a looseness to Price's performance that that was part of the those first moments of the film that really sort of took me aback and went, "Oh, this is not the movie I was expecting it to be." And to that end, I think his performance is a large, a larger part of that than Hopkins' performance. Now, now that Hopkins isn't very funny. The um, the moment that they highlight in the trailer where they're talking about the Beatles, Eleanor Rigby, who <laughs> Eleanor Rigby, Hello <laughs> Submarine, I that, it, that the both of them are so funny in that moment and in such different ways, um, but. Yeah, I don't know. There was something about Price, and maybe it's because like, I, it's been a really, I think this is the meatiest role Jonathan Price has maybe ever had. And Hopkins has had meaty, meaty roles like this before. It's just been a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really relished getting to see him dig into this character and find so many facets and different shadings of the things that he was feeling. And I I really responded to the character arc of thinking, you know, of going from, no, I can't possibly, please don't let it be me to, you know what? Yes, it should, it must be me and i will do this but i'm going to do it my way and dear lord i can't believe they didn't use that as a music cue in the movie <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right dan what grade would you give the two popes
2: um I, uh, um i'm going to give it a uh, i i'm going back and forth between 7 and 8 out of 10 but i don't know i'm I'm going to say a seven. Okay.
1: Josh. Uh, I'm also at a seven. It's a good movie. I did enjoy it. It's not perfect. I have some issues with it, but overall it's very enjoyable and entertaining and I would certainly easily recommend it. I'll say so. The script for me is more
2: like a nine.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, I'm lock and step uh, with both of you on this. um, If we were tangoing together, uh, (laughs) I'm also a seven. So for all the reasons that we said before, I enjoyed this movie. I wouldn't mind watching it again. I think the performances from the two of them, Price and Hopkins are fantastic. And I got a few issues here and there, but on the whole still enjoyed it. With that said, uh, from an Oscar perspective, interesting case with this one. I think I know a lot of people have been saying for a while now, they think it's like a slam dunk for a lot of different uh nominations and a lot of different categories i still i mean you guys remember when i saw it at telluride you remember me saying you know price is looking good the screenplay is definitely looking good hopkins maybe but i found like the whole best picture talk and director and editing and cinematography and production design and everything else i just was like whoa 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 like what (laughs) you know pump the brakes a little here um but maybe that is just because once again i know that there are people who love the cinematography and love the editing and
2: don't understand it
0: (laughs) no but I, i i do understand it at times i really do i i just don't and my question is, am I, am I letting that cloud my judgment of this film in terms of how it is going to appeal to Academy voters?
1: Well, I, I think that this movie is kind of on the bubble in a lot of respects. But I think one thing that it has going for it is it is a movie that will appeal to a certain demographic of the Academy, which is still present, still active. And I think that there's a lot of potential for this movie to still do very well with that group. I I don't know how far that will take it in Best Picture, but if there's enough people that can rally around it to put it as number one,
2: I could definitely see it. What do you think, Dan? I <laughs> I think it's this movie has been the most interesting to watch the fortunes of as we've gotten the first few precursor awards of the season. Because it seems to go up and down with every announcement.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, we're recording this before the SAG nominations are announced, so we don't know uh, what the case is with Price and Hopkins over there. So we could be looking at another, you know, uh, down in the roller coaster or another up, you know, or down up. That was a bad analogy. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Like, I mean, it didn't do that well with CCAs, which I thought was very interesting.
0: Yeah. Just screenplay and Hopkins. No, yeah. no Jonathan price and a lineup of that included seven people,
2: which is just crazy to me, but whatever. And then golden globes, it came roaring back, got picture and actor and support. It got everything that it could have. Basically. And screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Ah, man, I don't know where this one stands. And of course, like the one area where it probably should get in, no question, which is production design. It, I don't think it's going to.
0: I got to double check, but it didn't get an art director's guild, did it? Nope, no,
2: did it not. No, it didn't get art directors, which is crazy when you think they built the Vatican.
0: Uh, you know, and then you have to ask yourself, is it because it is competing um, in terms of I don't want to say, like, Netflix is competing with themselves necessarily but because they are giving each of their films a push. But it does seem like Two Popes is the movie that, like, could get lost in the shuffle, you know, with their um, with them pushing Marriage Story and Irishman as heavy as they are.
1: Yeah. I mean, Two Popes to me is the Netflix movie that's, like, whatever they can get, they'll be happy with, but it's not a priority. And Like The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Exactly. And it's going to require – Passion for just the movie itself to carry it through to the end, which is why, yeah, Best Picture is probably going to be a little bit of a challenge. I don't think it's impossible because I really do think that this yeah. movie can strike a chord with enough people to push it through. And we still have more precursors to announce. I think that the how this does at BAFTA is going to be very telling. I think, and if it shows up in a lot of categories there, that might be a clue to to something in the future. So I'm not writing it off. I'm a little bit more cooler on it than I used to be, but I don't think that it's like out of the race entirely. I do want to remind you all that it
0: did receive a lot of nominations uh, from the AARP. So (laughs) don't underestimate, (laughs) you know, the demographic of the Academy that might fall head over heels for this movie. It is very, very true. I can definitely understand that. I, I, you know, it's interesting because I, then I start to ask myself, like, Anthony Hopkins has a uh, scene where he briefly, for, like, one line, shouts, right? I'm going back to Will Mavity's uh, crying and shouting rule here. <laughs> and Jonathan Price's performance, um, I could have sworn when I saw it the first time that he had tearful crying-ish, like, moments. But then on a second viewing, I was like, oh, no, he doesn't actually cry. Oh, and then I'm like, this is a very quiet performance, you know? Yeah. Like, it doesn't have, like, the things that that category tends to go for. But what is working in Jonathan Price's favor? And, Dan, you mentioned this before. This is maybe, like, the meatiest role he's had. He's also uh, received a very, very uh, bigger profile in the last couple of years, uh, both with uh, Game of Thrones and also starring opposite of Glenn Close in The Wife last year, which we know a lot of people watched. And there was a lot of uh, groundswell last year for even, yo, Jonathan Price never had an Oscar nomination. When are we going to make this happen? Well, here he is now a year later with this leading role in a movie that a lot of people like with a very likable character. And are we still going to let him go without a single nomination?
2: But there's, it's also a role that he can't really campaign for because he's doing a role on Broadway right now. Yeah.
0: Poor Aunt Anthony McCartan is like doing all the heavy lifting for this movie. <laughs>
2: you well, know, there's a good track record in that cast, yeah,
1: with the right? Like, by people, McCartan,
0: so. mm-hmm. oh, yeah, Eddie Redmayne, uh, Gary Oldman, yep. and uh, last year's Robbie Malik.
2: Yeah, he's got the best track record when it comes to getting leading actress nominations. I don't know, Dan. Are you predicting him to, as of today? i'm holding off until sag but what if he gets it in, in bafta then he'll have golden globe in bafta he's he's going to get in at bafta i'm not sure that that's much of a question i think that's a, pretty much a lock um but best actor is so stacked this year like i need to see some other form of support
0: josh what about you
2: um, well, I mean, for the longest time, I actually had him as
1: my number one in this category. Um, I don't think I'm going to have him as number one anymore, but I I still see a world where he could get in. I still think that given that there is potential passion for the movie as a whole to still be present and the fact that there is a narrative around Jonathan Price being a veteran and not having a role quite like this before that gives him so much to, so much to do, I, I still think that he... Could be in a five. I I agree that he's kind of on shaky ground, but I still see a scenario where he gets in. I go back
0: and forth on this all the time. Yeah. And I keep coming back to this feeling that I know we think Joaquin and Driver are safe and everybody else is like coming and going. I can't help but feel like in order to make room for price and then if the Leonardo DiCaprio love really is real for once upon a time in Hollywood and, you know, what if um, Eddie Murphy is able to pull off like a crazy – like I'm just wondering how fluid is that category for real where even Driver and Joaquin could be a shocking miss. You know what I mean?
2: I don't think either of them are missing.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, though, like you know, what if you end up in a scenario where a lot of people are casting their votes elsewhere because they think those guys are safe? I mean, we we ourselves have said so many times on this podcast that they're the only two that are safe. So if enough people hear that and they go, "Oh, those two guys are safe," I'm gonna vote instead for Jonathan Price because I know he's never been nominated before, and I yeah, you know, I don't know. I listen. I'm sure that's probably not how people think, but. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Anything uh, I mean, can happen I think with this category. Do think like I that. think there are some people that do. Yeah, the problem is, is that you know, like you were saying earlier in the season, Matt. Each studio has its set of priorities. Correct. How much they're campaigning for them, and Two Popes is third for Netflix.
0: I don't know. I think they're giving more. Uh, personally speaking. I can't help but feel like there's been a very, very, very strong push for Dolomite. I, yeah, I think there has. I, I, I feel that more than the push for The Two Popes, and I think it's part of the reason that you gave before. Jonathan Price is on Broadway, and Anthony Hopkins doesn't really do the campaign trail that much, you know? Yeah. Well,
1: because he doesn't need it.
0: Yeah, well, well, he's 81 years old, and he's got an Oscar already, and he's one of the greatest actors who ever walked the face of, of the earth. So there exactly. you go. <laughs> True,
2: so there you go. But, like, the, if... You know, even Netflix, with its considerable monetary resources, cannot make everything happen. <laughs> they, they can't put as much behind this movie as they are behind the Irishman in Marriage story. So I, I'm really kind of skeptical of their chances to get Driver and De Niro <laughs> and Price and Murphy into this category, and I think if it's going to break at some point between those three, I honestly think it's going to be price on the outside.
0: I do, I think, right now, have the film getting a lone screenplay nomination for McCartan. I think that's where I'm currently at right now.
2: That feels... That feels right, somehow. Like, that happening, and then... I don't know, like Dolomite getting two nominations for Eddie Murphy and for Ruthie Carter's costumes. Like that feels really right somehow.
0: Yeah. Take what you think is going to happen at the Oscars in terms of nomination hall, and just like cut it in half.
2: <laughs> you know? Yeah,
0: pretty much. Cause there's always going to be shocking misses somewhere and things yeah. are just not going to make it.
1: Especially when categories are competitive, very competitive
2: and, this year, they're so competitive.
0: And then there's the question of where will McCartan's screenplay land, an original or adapted? Jesus
2: Christ. I know. It's a sure thing and adapted. And And they were originally said that it was adapted. Like, we have them on record. <laughs> well, the Academy hasn't ruled
1: yet one way or the other, right? No. Yeah, because I know at WGA, it's being submitted as original, but... We've seen that happen all the time where like WJ isn't the final uh, decision on this. So I I still find that it's going to be up to the Academy and I still think that they're going to rule it adapted. I think there's enough material out there to prove that it's adapted and they've done that for much less in terms of evidence to switch categories. So I still feel like it's going to be adapted at the Oscars.
0: I mean we were just here recently with Moonlight in a very similar situation.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, Buster Scruggs last year was another one.
0: In any event, should be very interesting to see how it all develops. It definitely received a nice boost from the Golden Globe nominations recently. Um, who knows? Maybe in the future, months from now, when people are listening to this podcast, they'll know where we were at this place in time, and they'll be like, oh, man, it got like eight nominations at the Oscars. Rah! You know, and I'll be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll wait and see. In the meantime, Dan Baer, where can they find you on the internet?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Dint Dan on film.
1: What about you, Josh Parham? Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at JR Parham.
0: And you can find me praying to someone out there in the great beyond <laughs> for an easy, smooth, painless Oscar season at Next Best Picture on Twitter.
1: <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, what is that line uh, from uh, The Queen where uh, Tony Blair's like, I think we should leave God out of it. <laughs> <all my> <laughs> Uh you've been listening to the next best picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher TuneIn, and Player FM, A Cast and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For one dollar minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.